All right, we are in Titus, uh, and we are looking at Titus. The whole theme of it is he's talking about how, as Christians, how we should live. And uh, so a lot of the messages are going to be kind of looking at different characteristics. And we first looked at characteristics of the leaders of the church, uh, but then those are what we should be striving for, right? And, and so we look at our own lives in that. Where we might not be considered leaders of the church right now. Uh, we should be striving for the character traits that he put forth. Uh, and then today we'll look at a different list, and, and tomorrow, or on Thursday, we'll look at a different one. Uh, and it's all giving this whole thing about what does it mean in this hellish world to live for the kingdom of God. Because if we remember, this whole idea is of uh, that there's the world that we see, and then there's the world that we don't see. And we're allowed to know that because through Scripture, He tells us that, he, that we get to see what's behind the curtain, if you will. And so there's a world that we don't see, and the things that happen in that world affect our world, and the things that happen in our world affect that world. And so we are constantly living in this, and as Christians, we're not living by the world's rules. All right, we, we submit ourselves to those that are in line with God, but there comes a point, too, when we don't have the same priorities, we don't have the same outlook on things. And that's because we've joined a different kingdom. We've gone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And this is what Jesus, his actual gospel message that he proclaimed was this. Mark 1.15, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. So repent of your sins and believe the good news. So this is his whole announcement was the kingdom of God is here. And as citizens of the kingdom, then there's a certain way that we should live, we should behave, the way that we think about things. And we should be bold enough to live as God calls us to because we recognize that while it doesn't make sense by the world standards, we have a king that's over all things and in control of everything, and we can take that step of faith. And we, we live from this victor, victory that God, Jesus, has accomplished for us. So we're looking at how do we live? How, what does kingdom living look like in a hellish world? Here's the thing. The kingdom is that you can have peace because your king, the king that's ruling over the kingdom, is your father. And we can be bold in the midst of hostility because it's his rule that is ultimately the last say. That's what it means that he's sovereign. It's He gets the la- first say and the last say. What he says goes. And the key to getting into the kingdom is repenting. Jesus said, repent of your sins and believe the good news. Repenting is the key to accessing the kingdom. It's and, and what repenting is, it's not just this sorrowful, like crying, tears, and all this. It's actually a military term where it means that you swear allegiance. You change your allegiance. I once was this citizen of the, of the world, and now I'm a citizen of the kingdom, and I'm swearing my allegiance to that. It is turning away, saying, I am joining this way. I'm going this direction. And this whole idea of that we, there, we need to, there's this call to repentance means that there's some things that we need to repent of. And as we see here in a little bit, then the reason Titus is called to find good men to lead the church infers that there are some bad and foolish people. 
right? That you can't have one without the other. If, there's a, a, if we're saying that there's a certain way to live, then that means that there's a certain way not to live. And if we're saying that there's, we need to repent, then that means there's certain things that we need to repent of. And so we're going to be looking at that. Titus 1, uh, 10 through 16 is going to be our text for today. I'm going to read the New Living, and then I want to read the ESV version, because I know some of you have uh, both versions uh, mixed throughout here. And then there's also a change in different words that I think are very key here. So, Titus 1, 10 through 16. For these, or for there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. So, backing up to verse 9. Uh, that he's talking about the leader of the church, the elders, he must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. And then here's the why that's so important. For there are many rebellious people who incur, engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. They must be silenced because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching, and they do it only for money. Even one, of, even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. This is true, so reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. They must stop listening to Jewish myths and commands of people who have turned away from the truth. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving, because their minds and conscience are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny Him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. ESV says it this way, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching uh, for selfish gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and commands of the people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. So, verse 10, again, it's, if we look at verse 9, the leaders and Christians need to know their theology because there are many rebellious people. And this whole word of rebellious, or as it says in the ESV, in, insubordinate, it's this pride, this inability to submit that makes it so hard that they can't accept truth. If God opposes the proud and he draws close to the humble, and when we have that rebellious insubordinate that comes out of pride, then we aren't able to accept the truth. And it's hard for those that, and, and he it says, especially those of the circumcision party, all right? And this is going back to the Jewish kind of Christians that they were kind of saying, hey, we still need to observe some of these Jewish holidays and, and everybody needs to be circumcised and all this kind of stuff. And, and, this, and when we come out of a different religion and different background, a lot of times it is hard for us to get back to the truth of the gospel. And that's why we have to immerse ourselves in God's word. And I've seen this happen oftentimes in uh, those that were raised in more of the Catholic tradition, and then they come into uh, more of a Christian 
uh, church that it's hard for them to kind of sometimes make that, that divide here of, of going from this way to living by faith in Jesus and, and living under his grace. But here's the thing about this, this deceiving others. The heresy, the reason it's so tricky is it's not just wrong teaching of doctrine and everything. It's that, that that teaching becomes life because your thoughts become actions. And so when we allow it just to real quickly, just real slyly, it gets in there. And if we allow it to fester and we don't know the truth, then we're going to be led astray. And that's why we have to be so vigilant in knowing our theology because theology impacts your life. Theology has consequences on the way that we should live and the way that we should think. And heresy left unchecked, it permeates deep into the communities and individuals' life and thought, and nothing's left undisturbed, and you see the results of all that coming out. So this is what it looks like in the hellish world, but kingdom living, it says that 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. We're not supposed to be talkers, but doers. Yes, we do a lot of talking and proclaiming of God's word and God's message and his grace through Jesus. But at the end of the day, we stop talking and we start doing. Verse 11, he says, they must be silenced. All right, this actual translation is shut their mouth. That's what actually the, the original Greek word says, shut their mouth. They must be silenced. It means to take the wind out of their sails, take away their momentum by publicly correcting their false doctrines with approved teaching. That you stand, He's calling Titus and he's calling all of us to, to pro- faithfully proclaim God's word and to stand up and say something. Edmund Burke, one of the most powerful quotes I still remember when I first saw it, it was actually in a movie theater, watching a movie, and it was the way it opened up the movie. And it, it just, it hit me to the core. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And Paul is saying the exact same thing to Titus, and he's saying it to us, is like, listen, if it's, they're in the wrong, if, and if you know it, then you need to stand up and silence them. Shut their mouth. They are, and he goes on and says, they are tearing families apart. And what we'll see in chapters 2 on Thursday, it makes us think that something about their teaching was over, overthrowing the family structure. Is that happening today? Do you see the attack on the families that are taking place today? They're attacking the head of the family, and then they start attacking all the parent and child relationships, and that's happening today. And the, the sad part is, is that they're doing it all for selfish gain. They're out to get more, more money, more power, whatever it is that they're wanting to hold on to, and they're, they're, that's their whole motivation. They aren't interested in the truth. They're, worried, they're more interested in their bank account. And Jesus, he had a lot to say about money. And in kingdom living, we need to remember Luke 16, 13 through 17, where he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And the Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, 
You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Until John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the message of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news, listen, here it is, of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is eager to get in. But that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than the smallest point of God's law to be overturned. I'm hoping that by talking and going through this that you will start focusing more when you're reading your Bibles and then you'll see how often the kingdom of God comes up. And, and he's saying, listen, we don't live for money. And he also talks about that the law is still it's our standard, but it's applied with grace through the kingdom of God. So there's still a standard for living. It's not just, well, that's okay, we're just going to tolerate it. No, that's sin. We don't tolerate it because Jesus died for it. So we're going to come alongside each other. We're going to be showing grace, and we're also going to help each other in overcoming that. Verse 12, he talks about one of the prophets from Crete. All right, And, and he gives the thing that says that uh, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. Here's where this comes from, is it comes from one of their philosophers, prophets, whatever you want to call it type thing. But they, the Cretes claimed that the tomb of Zeus was on their island. Now, Zeus isn't a true god, but if you are going to be god, that means that you have to be immortal. So there can't be a tomb all right, that Zeus is dead in. If he's dead in it, then he's no longer god. right? So just the, out, the, the very claim on his face is just like, well, that's clearly a lie. But it was all to drive up tourism and that type of thing. But it also shows the heart of religious deceit. And we see here, there's a com- there, for the kingdom of living or kingdom living that we're called to live to. We see we can look at this what it was said of them, and then we can look at what Jesus calls us to do. And Jesus, he says that compelling that the world is watching. So we need to make this point that while the Cretans are perpetual liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons, Christians are to live in the world soberly, not uh, as out-of-control gluttons, justly, not as violent beasts, and piously, not as unrighteous liars. We're seeing the difference here, that there's, there's clearly, all right, this person's of the kingdom of uh, God, and this is of the world. Verse 13 and 14, this is true, so reprimand them sternly to make them strong in their faith. They must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. He's making it very clear, don't tolerate, but call them out and do not mince your words. The graphic adverb here implies the use of force that is backed by authority. Confronting the false teachers calls for decisive and firm correction. And we do it not because of our own self, but for the church's ministry and reputation for uh, God, uh, for our spiritual health of others, and for God's name alone. And when we correct, we do so to protect, one, what God has entrusted to us, but also to hopefully restore the one that's in error. We need to make sure and clear that we are at war. These two kingdoms cannot tolerate one another. There is a clear line. But our fight is not against one another. It is not against flesh and blood, but it's about the spirits and authorities in the unseen world. 
And so that's why when we do this, we are making the claims not on our own word, our own knowledge, our own understanding, but we're standing on God's truth and we are proclaiming it through His Spirit after much prayer. Kingdom living calls us not to be passive. Also calls us not to be controlling, but we are to be assertive. Verse 15 says, Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure for those who are corrupt and unbelieving, because their minds and conscience are corrupted. And, and in the ESV it says that, the, but to the defiled and unbelieving. See, they claim to be godly because of their conduct. It's very easy for us to look at our, our actions and we're like, hey, look, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not going out slaughtering people like Charles Manson and his followers. I'm, I'm a good person. And they look at all their good deeds. Hey, I tithe, I, I read my Bible, I check the boxes, but inside... They're dead. Their outward actions never reach their heart. And that's the thing. Their hope and trust is in themselves, not Christ. It's a counterfeit message. Because whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. And the kingdom living, it actually is just the opposite. It's actually a changed heart first, and the actions flow from the heart. It's not something that we have to muster up. It's not like, I have to read my Bible. It's, I get to read my Bible. I want to read my Bible. It's not, I have to pray. It's, I get to pray. I want to pray. I want to hear God's voice. And Jesus, he's constantly confronting this thinking with the religious leaders, and we have to be aware that it's still happening today. To get people to see that their religious acts were void and uh, unrepentant heart was keeping them from the kingdom of God. We're not saved by our acts. And as long as we are doing all these acts, but our heart is not repentant and humble before God, we will not enjoy the rest of the kingdom of God. Matthew 21, 28 through 32. Then Jesus explained this meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. He's saying this to religious leaders, the ones that they had the prayer and, and scriptures on their forehead. They prayed. They made a big show about it. I mean, they, when you look at it, it's like on the outward appearance, they're what we all should be striving for. They are like fully devoted to God's law, God, and God himself. And, and the very people that they would proclaim, saying that they're defiled, they're not worthy of the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, they're the ones that are actually going to get in. because you, And he goes on, he says, For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you still refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Right there, we see the kingdom of God and repentance. It goes together. You can't separate the two. And what Jesus is saying is to repent, you must recognize that you need to repent. And those that look, you look at their actions, they, they, and, and they're being real with themselves. They, it's the reason that they, the people that the religious leaders said they're not worthy to get into the kingdom of God, the reason that they are able to enter is because they're dealing with reality. They recognize, I'm not okay. I there's something that needs to change in me. So do you recognize your need for a Savior? 
Do you truly see that Jesus' way is the best way? Repent, for the kingdom is here. Verse 16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Uh, Or in the NLT, such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. See, many people profess, but their lives reveal that they are far from God. There are many professing Christians, but Jesus calls us to look at people's lives and their actions. That's how you tell a true follower, true citizen of the kingdom of God, and those that are just giving lip service. So they profess it, but they do not truly believe that God is powerful enough and the gospel is enough. They have to add rules to help the Spirit. Oh, God, we can't fully just trust these people. I mean, we have to add this and that, and, and, and we need to make sure that this is obeyed. And these people who find abomination everywhere are themselves abominable, is what Jesus is saying here. Kingdom living is a call to repent, but sometimes that means that we might have to break off, that we are constantly pushing for and proclaiming repentance to bring reconciliation, but there sometimes comes a point when you have to just let go. And in Titus 3, 9 through 11, he actually says that. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and a second warning, and after that, nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth, and their own sins condemn them. Listen. You have to hear that, yes, it is a hard word, but at the same time, this brings such distress to God's heart because God desires that all would come into relationship with him. And, and the, it's so distressful to know that there is a better way, but because of stubbornness and pride, they are unable to get through. And so we have to have this humble confidence in approaching those that are still in the world and calling them to repent. Titus 3.3 says it this way, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. We have to always remember our roots, where we came from, knowing that, hey, we're all in this together. We're all sinful. We're all needing a king. We all need the saving of Jesus. And he actually, this whole thing about being controlled by our, uh, full of evil and, 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 and controlled by our lust and pleasures is actually a call for reference to addictions. And it's saying, listen, we are all addicted to something, but, this is a beautiful thing, verse 4 uh, through 7 in chapter 3, but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. And because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. We have found true life and rest for our souls, and so then we must tell others. And Jesus' call to enter the kingdom was a call to rest. 
Jesus was always kind to those that didn't live in denial. That's why he was so kind to the tax collectors and prostitutes and the religious leaders that they said the scum of the earth. But for those that didn't live in reality and thought that they were good enough and doing enough because of their religious acts and who they were, he was more direct and harsh with. Do not follow the counterfeit religion that calls itself Christianity. Follow Jesus. And Jesus, he makes a very clear state in, in Matthew 23, and this is how we're going to close. Matthew 23, he it's the seven woes that he gives towards the religious leaders to try to call them, to realize, to wake up. Listen, open up your eyes. You are not heading towards the kingdom of God. You are actually heading to your own destruction. And this word woe, I used to like think of it when I heard him just more just like yelling at the religious leaders, but I feel like it's more, the word woe actually means anguish, grief, regret, sorrow. And I, the Father's heart, I can hear just coming through Jesus, just like, there's a better way. Don't go this way. Come to the kingdom of God. Repent. And so these words, they mean distress of mind. And the woe is a deep and inconsolable grief and misery. So hear these words from Jesus. Reflect on your own life and see if there's ways that you have maybe gone away from the kingdom of God. And repent. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of, God, of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees and hypocrites! You shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, you will be severely punished." Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and then you, when you have succeeded, you have t- made them twice a child of hell as you are. Woe to you, blind guides! You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by the oath. You blind fools! Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by the oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by those who dwell in it. And anyone who swears by heaven and swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs that look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. 
In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourself that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead, then, and complete what your ancestors started. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how long will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogue and pursue from town to town. Repent. Do not harden your hearts. Find rest for your soul. Hebrews says, God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced through, his, through David, much later in the world, words already quoted, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today is the day. Come to the Father, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega. Repent and find rest. Jesus is alive and thus his kingdom is here. And to, but to enter, you must repent. You must turn from your sins and then you will live. It's time to come out of the dark, hellish world and enter the light of the kingdom of God.